you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. We're going to read the first 11 verses of John, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you hear my, that you, <laughs> pardon me, that you hear, that you, I'm sorry, that you hear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given us together around your word. I pray, Father, that you would give me the words to speak. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear. I pray that all we do would be for one purpose, and that would be to glorify you, your Son, and your Spirit, and all that we do here at this church, that we would be the lighthouse that you set forth. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. I've been leading the music for some time, and I don't know if it's the fact that maybe I'm getting older and I'm starting to pay attention, or maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just listening to more music, but... A hymn has really grabbed a hold of me, uh, a traditional hymn, Abide in Me. Now, when you hear the Gaithers and, the, you know, and all of them sing it, it's really beautiful because they've got an accompaniment and they've got all, of the, all the other stuff. But when you set all that aside and you listen to what the words are actually saying, this scripture just sticks out to me. I only have three points this morning. So I hope to keep this as short as possible. If I don't, well, it's Roy's fault. He's saying too much. No. If I do not, at least know that I tried. Right? I want to discuss today three things. Number one is the difference between the branch and the vines. I want to discuss what does it really mean to abide. And the third thing I want to talk about is what do we gain from abiding in him. Starting with our first point. 
In verses 1 through 3, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So Christ is the branch, and we are the vine. Now a lot of people don't understand branches and vines, and so I use a tree as an example. Right? If you think of a tree, you've got the trunk of a tree, that's the, the branch, and then the branches, what we call branches that go off it, those are actually vines. Those are actually the vines coming off of the branch. It's the same way with a, with a, uh, when you go to a vineyard, when you see the grapes. There's the true vine, the actual vine piece, right? And then the branches come off of that vine. Now, the branches are what bears the fruit. The vine doesn't technically bear any fruit. So... When you see in a vineyard, the, the little small branches, they're the ones that actually do. But the vine connects the branches to the roots. It's the pathway to get to the roots. The water that goes into the roots flows through the vine to get to the branches so that the branches can then bear the fruit. You see the, 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 the relationship there. Therefore, he concludes in verse 5, that without him we can do nothing. The branch would wither away and die without the vine. The father is shown here as the husbandman. right? And yet, once you think of a husbandman, a husbandman is one who cares for the vineyard. So he is actually the one that is set apart from the vine and the branches that takes care of the whole vine and branch. He takes care of the whole symbiote relationship. He takes care of it all. He's separate from it. And so therefore he takes care of it. The father is set forth as the husbandman, the one who cares for both the true vine, the son of God, and the branches, us. He is the one that provides the water for both the vine and the branches, right? Remember, it needs water. Anything that's going to grow needs water. Anything that's going to grow needs good soil. So he's the one that takes care of the soil. Some places it gets too hot, and so he's got to provide some sort of covering for that to produce the right fruit. Some places get too cold, and therefore he's got to open it up so that the sun can get in and make better fruit. So that's his job as the husbandman. He's also the one that trims away unfruitful branches, as we see in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. He takes that away. So he's in charge of pruning. A lot of people talk about how Baptist church are the only churches that grow by splitting. But it's all God that handles that. He's the one who sets the churches where he will set the churches. So he's the one who's in charge of pruning. And he's ultimately in charge of taking the wicked, separating them completely from the vine and from the branches, and burning them ultimately. This is ultimately the thought of going to hell and burning in hell for eternity. There's a picture there. He's the one that also picks the fruit from the branches. If you think about this, sometimes, and this happens a lot, you'll be growing a fruit or you'll be growing a vegetable and it'll, it, it'll grow too much. And so you pick it off and what happens? Well, you'll get a bigger, better yield on the next, on the next run. And so he's also the one who picks the fruit. Now, I'm going to point out that in most churches... There's a lot of fruit inspectors, but not a whole lot of people actually producing fruit. 
right? There's a lot of people who love to inspect other people's fruit and say, well, you're not really being fruitful. But I also want to point out that what do we call being fruitful, right? A lot of people associate the salvation of someone as the fruits, right? Well, if you really are fruitful, somebody will be saved. But that's not your part. That's not really the fruit. Anybody ever read about the fruits of the Spirit? Those are the fruits that we really need to be inspecting. Are they kind? Are they nice? Do they treat people with respect? Do they love the brethren? Do they love others? That's the kind of fruit we need to be talking about. Not, oh, they can't get anybody saved. They've talked to 3,000 people. Nobody stepped a foot in the church. That's not our business. That's God's. Our business is the fruit of the Spirit. How do you treat other people? You know, as I said, there's a lot of people who love to inspect other people's fruit. But they don't do a whole lot of self-introspect. Let's carry on. In verse 4 it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man not, uh, abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it, sh and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Abide. Let's talk about that word for a minute. The Greek word is, uh, I'm going to butcher it, it's a minnow. It's a verb. So that means that there's an action that's tied to it. We do something to abide. There's something that is done. Strong defines it, as it states, as a primary verb to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To stay within that. Abide, continue, to continue. To dwell, endure, to be present. That's a very important phrase. To be present. I think a lot of times... We're at a place, but we're not really present there. We're not really there and paying attention. A lot of it has to do with that silly little device that we love to look at. Remain. Stand. To tarry. Thayer's adds even to sojourn, which we all understand means to stay, sit, and dwell. Not to depart. To be held or kept continually. Thayer's adds that piece. To be held or kept continually. The word is translated multiple ways as well. It's translated as, translated as abide. Abideth. Remember the ETH in our King James means to continually. means always abide. That's why they get to continually remain. Abode. Dwelleth. Remain. Continue. Remaineth. Tarry. Endureth. It's in, translated in our King James Bible that many different ways. All pointing to a resting or a stay or if you would, a Sabbath. Mm. He is our Sabbath. He is our rest. 
to abide in him is to rest in him. We have a Sabbath, right? The, the Jews had a Sabbath. It was the Saturday. They would, they would, every Saturday, they would stop and not do a thing. We have a Sabbath. We don't stop. We continue. Our Sabbath is we rest continually in him. He is the one that we rest in. Nothing else. I don't rest in the fact that I have this wonderful apartment and I've got this, I've got a bed, I've got a couch, I've got a place I can sit down, I've got a TV I can watch, a computer to play. I don't rest in that. My rest is very simple. I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I settle right there. When you're reading God's word, Brother J.C. taught this morning, when you're reading him, because this is him, when you're reading him, you just rest in that. You don't move from it. When we abide in him, he in turn abides in us. We see this throughout all of these uh, verses that we read. In verse 4, abide in me and I in you. And here in verse 4, he points out that we cannot bear fruit without him, just as a branch cannot without the vine. Because remember, the branch needs the vine to give it water. Right? The branch needs the vine to hold it where it can get correct sunlight. There's a lot of things that the branch depends on the vine to do. And so therefore he says, without me you can do nothing. Verse 5, he even reiterates that. He that abideth in me, and here he points out that we need him or we can do nothing. But with him we can bring forth, and he says, much fruit. Not just a little fruit, but much fruit. Don't sit there and think that you can just be a nominal Christian and bring forth a little fruit and it's okay. That's not what Jesus teaches. He teaches that he prefers the much fruit. Now he realizes that some will have more than others. Right? I'm not as peaceable as other people. That's not a fruit I own. <laughs> I'm not very peaceful. I get kind of upset sometimes. That's not a fruit that I, that I have as well as other people. So we're not all going to have the same fruits. In verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, he points out here that if his word abides in us, we gain much, and we can ask whatever we will, and it shall be done. Anything? Anything at all. We just ask it, and it's done. Right? Lord, I want this, and it's just going to happen. There's some caveat there. You've got to follow God's word. You have to be in God's word. You have to be following the Lord. And the things you're going to ask for are not going to be the things that you would have asked for when you're not following the Lord. So keep in mind, when he says ask anything, there's a caveat to that. When you're following along with God, the things you ask for are not going to be the things that are material of this world. Now, they're going to be things that he's going to provide you. They're going to be things that you need. But remember, he knows your need before you ever even ask. That doesn't, by the way, that doesn't mean don't ask. There's nothing in there that says he knows what you need before you even ask. It doesn't say then therefore don't ask for it. He, the, the thought there is, he knows what you need, ask him for it. Ask him for it and he'll give it to you. You know, my father-in-law told me something that was the most important thing that has ever followed me in my marriage. He says... He said, Dan, love is a verb. Love is a verb. You need to show her with your actions that you love her. I've followed that our whole marriage. Twelve years now she's put up with me. It's amazing. 
But I've treated love as a verb. I haven't treated it as just some gushy thing that's between her and I, which there's that too. But I've treated it as I need to show her how much I love her. And that's exactly what the love of God and our love for God should be. It should be in our actions. It should be in the things that we do. We should be doing things for the Lord. We should be doing things for the kingdom of God. We shouldn't just be sitting down and, nah, I'm not going to do anything. For you. I'm going to sit here today and, you know, it's just going to be all about me today. We don't have days like that. As a Christian, you don't get to have a day like that. Our every day should be pushing harder, more and more for the kingdom of God. More and more for Him. Verse 6 gives a warning to those that do not abide in Him. They will be withered away gathered up and cast into the fire. This is a direct analogy for going to hell. The truth of not listening and resting in Him. I want to point that out because those of you who are not saved and I don't know who you are and would never know who you were because nobody has a, somewhere an elect on their body somewhere to show who's saved and who's not. If you say you're saved, I have to believe it. But only you know your heart between you and God. But that is a direct analogy to what is going to happen. You know this where they are? Where they are? Any of you guys give me an idea of where they're sitting? They're a branch. And they're sitting among other branches. They look like a branch connected to the vine. They look like they're a child of God connected to the vine and trying to produce fruit. They don't. They don't produce fruit. That's just, an that's just an idea for all of us to take into consideration. When we're sitting in a church, you don't know who is a branch connected to the vine or a branch that's going to wither away. We just pray that we don't know a lot that are going to wither away. In verse 9, he says, as the, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. He states that he loves us the same as our Father. The same as our Father loves him, that very same self-sacrificing love that the Father has, he does as well. And he proved it by going to the cross for those that he loves. Which he mentions this in verse 13 and 14, which we haven't read yet. We'll get to that shortly. He then makes a statement that kind of seems out of place. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Wait a minute. We were talking about love. We weren't talking about the law. This is the direct passage that we should always use to those who believe that we are completely without law in our Christian lives. It's called antinomianism. It means against or without the law. And it's preached and taught in a lot of Baptist churches today that Christ came here to fulfill the law because you now don't have to. And you don't even have to live like you have to live, the, uh, live with the law because Christ fulfilled it. It's over. Well, I take... A little bit of issue with that because there's a lot of passages just like this one that says, follow my commandments to live in my law. But he 
follows it up with an even more mind-blowing statement that says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, he is telling us to follow his example. Now, guys, there's no one else to compare ourselves with because when a man puts himself up against another man, he will always think that he is better than that other person. Right? Well, look at old so-and-so. I know that, you know, he stepped out on his wife when he was 20 years old, and he's a terrible individual. I've never done that, and I'm better than he is. That's terrible. But when you measure yourself up against Christ, who's, I can't even really, I can't even put it there because it's so far above you. When you put yourself as an example to Christ, you start to understand the truth that as good as you think you are, you're not as good as you think you are. And as bad as you think you are, you're actually worse. We don't think of ourselves as bad as we truly are because if we thought of ourselves as bad as we truly are, we'd realize that we're just terrible, wretched sinners that don't even deserve the love of God. Yet, and my favorite verse, my favorite verse... But God. But for the grace of God, I would be no different than any other person on the face of this planet. But God, who loved me so much, died at Calvary to pay my price. He did it for a purpose. He did it for a reason. In verse 11, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. The reason he has spoke these things to us is for these purposes. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He wants our joy to be full. He wants his joy to be with us. And our joy to be full and overflowing. Have you ever met one of those drudge type Christians? You know what I'm talking about? They just kind of kind of walk around all beaten and torn. They kind of remind me of Eeyore. What's the use? What does it matter? It's all over anyway. You ever met one of those? I got to follow the law of God. I got to do what Christ says. <laughs> Dragging themselves around in utter despair. You know, this is not what Christ wants for His Christians. He wants us to be joyful, as in full of joy. He doesn't want this drudgery type of Christian. He wants His people to have a, meaning, a meaningful and measurable amount of joy in their lives. When you have something that's on the inside, remember, it gets so full that it pours out. And all that you do, it comes out and everybody sees it. Our joy is infectious. Have you ever noticed what happens when you walk around with a smile? People start to smile. I don't know if any of you ever tried that. I've tried that before. Just walk around with a big smile on your face. All of a sudden you start seeing everybody around you start to smile. It's infectious. Joy is very infectious. That's his purpose in this. Just as his love flows out of us. Just as the teachings that we have flows out of us. His joy should be flowing out of us as well. Joyful people are easier to get along with. You know what I mean? They are. They just make going through your day that much more pleasurable. But if you continue here in verse 12, it says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. 
That's hard. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Christ is pointing out that if we abide in him, and he in turn abides in us, and we follow his commandments, then there's this friendship that is there. There's this relationship. And it's a glorious, wonderful relationship. It's a friendship that's above all others. And with that friendship, he then went to the cross to die at Calvary on our behalf. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I have the capability of that kind of self-sacrificing love. I would like to think that I do. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for someone. Soldiers do it on the field of battle all the time. First responders do it in the line of duty. But he set the ultimate example by laying his life down that we will persevere to the end, abiding in him and following his word to the best of our capabilities. He did that for us. He set the example for everyone. He is the preeminent example above all. A soldier dying for a buddy on the battlefield, well, that's a spur of the moment you don't even think. You just do it. First responder, a fireman is trained to walk into a house with a fire. That's what he's trained to do. That's what he does. What Jesus is talking about is those who would die on behalf of a friend for their salvation. And that's what he did. I want to read you this poem. It's actually one of the hymns, and it's on page 75 in your hymnal. If you want to follow along with me. The name of the hymn is Abide in Me. It goes something kind of like this. It says, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What by thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Are you abiding in him? Are you abiding in him today? If you're not, I would highly recommend that you start figuring out in your Bible. You read the word. You read God. And you discover what it takes to abide in him and for him to abide in you. Because it's one thing to be a branch. It's another thing to be a branch that's actually connected to the vine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us together around your word. I pray, Father, that you would be with us and guide us this day. I pray that you would watch over and be with your people. 
Father, I pray that you would be in the meeting that we come back to tonight. I pray that you would guide us and give us the pastor that you have chose for this church. I pray most of all, Father, that everything we do, everything we do, would be kingdom-minded. In your son's name we pray. Amen.